This is episode 140 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Your Tactical Training Scenario, Mistaken Identity How I Stopped Worrying and Used PMCT Part 2 And Con Artist and Scams Win SHTF Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before we get started, I have a couple of things. Um, yesterday, I kind of dogged the Red Cross a little bit. Uh, I want to walk that back just a little bit because, uh, you know, I was looking at some uh, that meme that's on Facebook and uh, somebody posted that that was a very old meme, but really what I was coming from yesterday was, um, and, and anyway, that, so that's a really old meme, and a lot of the numbers and a lot of the, the people that they have on that meme don't even, you know, work for the organizations that they say they, that, uh, that that meme or that graphic says that they work for. So uh, we wanted to walk that back a little bit. Someone posted a Snopes uh, article. Now, I, I don't put too, too much uh, trust in Snopes. They've been known to be like a liberal, you know, they, they've covered up some conservative stuff out there. Uh, but, you know, when I was talking about uh, that Red Cross, uh, the situations, I was talking about uh, people that were specifically, you know, had firsthand knowledge. And, of course, anybody can put anything on social media, but uh, I was finding a whole lot of, uh, you know, I found this one, so a couple of different posts that, uh, you know, different places that I'm involved with. And then there was this one that I found that was very, very long that a lot of people gave uh, a lot of uh, experience in, in firsthand. Like, hey, this happened. We were right there when this happened, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, they come in and one of the things that they were saying is they didn't want people. You know, here in Houston with Hurricane Harvey, one of the things was it was like this ground uh, you know, this ground roots, uh, movements where people were just like showing up and doing things and helping out and providing food and different, you know, whatever it took. Um, they were saying that the Red Cross doesn't, doesn't allow any of that. You know, all they want to be able to handle everything. They just want your monetary money, you know, so it's like, don't bring in clothes and donations and food and stuff like that. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll we just give us money and we'll take care of it. And in some cases, a lot of people were saying that in, in a lot of cases, actually, that, uh, you know, food that they brought that they were coming to feed people with that they were not allowed to give to to, to them. And so, um, you know, that's kind of where I was coming from. So I uh, want to walk it back just a little bit. But at the same time, there's a there's a big outcry out there as well. And so when there's, you know, when there's a lot of smoke, you know, I mean, there might be some fire out there. And then with any big organization, there's always a couple of yahoos who, you know, make it bad for the whole organization. So uh, we'll just kind of leave it at that. Uh, I wanted to bring up a couple of things. Uh, earlier today, I got an alert on my Suspicious Observer app and, uh, you know, the Disaster Prediction app. And uh, it was an alert that I'd never seen before. And I was like, whoa, it, it said... Uh, it said that there was a C CME in progress. Actually, it says alert, Earth-directed CME erupting now. And I've never seen that alert as long as I've had the app. And uh, I even went back in the app, and I went back to like February, January, and I've never seen that specific alert. Uh, so right now, you know, and this happens, this has happened before in the past where there are solar flares going on. I think it got up to like an M-class solar flare. 
um, but it could go uh, X class and so uh, you know that's going to be the highest and then within X class you have the different ranges as well right so um, you could uh, tomorrow definitely is one of those times where you want to go check out Suspicious Observer and get a, an update on what he uh, you know on what he's forecasting there and one of the things that we posted in the group in the in the Facebook group was also uh, a link to SolarHam I don't know if you uh, are uh, familiar with SolarHam or not but you know they he posts uh, information as well on what's going on and, and CME and solar flares and all that kind of stuff so you can check that out there uh, and uh, again we have links on the Facebook group if you're if you're a member and you haven't been there maybe in a little while uh, you know there's a lot of links there today and then um, if you're not a member you can come join and you know we'll just you know bring you in and, and you can check out all that stuff that's that's there um, all the models for uh, for Irma looks like it is well you got the one big model that looks like it's coming towards uh, it's going to hit, you know, like Puerto Rico and then Cuba and then go straight up Florida, man. And if that one happens, that sucks. Um, so, you know, all you people over in Florida and on the East Coast, because it's still, there's models that still have it going to Georgia. There's still have, there's models that go, have it going into the Carolinas. Uh, I'm praying that it just turns around and goes straight. And there's models that have it going straight back out into the Atlantic. And that, that's what I'm praying that, uh, that, that happens. You know, we still, we've got... We got the you know Hurricane Harvey, all the devastation here. We've got fires in California. We got fires in Montana, uh, all kinds of things. You know we don't need another natural disaster. So uh, praying, but it you know that's why we prep. And so make sure that you're prepping out there. Make sure you get ahead of it. Uh, if you don't have what you need, I did finish my article on Ed that matters on my experiences with her, Hurricane Harvey. Um, so uh, I will link to that. I, d I did go ahead and post it. I will link to that um, as well in the in the uh, the episode show notes if you want to just kind of peruse that. But if you're if you're over there on the East Coast, you know, be paying attention and uh, make sure you start, you know, doing your preparations, whatever that takes. If it's charging, you know, all your battery chargers and it's you know finding where you have things that you've stored before and you might not know where they're at. Uh, you know, making sure your water situation is handled and food situation is handled and all that good stuff. Uh, you know, start start uh, you know being a little proactive about that. All right. Um, don't forget about the Back to Basics Living Summits from September 10th through 16th, and uh, that is a free summit. You what happens is you go register, and then they will send you an email. Uh, you know, on how to access. Uh, the webinars and all that kind of stuff. Take a minute when you go to the when you go to the link, scroll down and you know there's a video there. There's uh, you know, you get to look at all the experts and stuff that are going to be in in uh, be part of the summit and what topics they're talking about. So you can kind of like, hey, is this something that you know is interesting to me and something that I want to to do? So you can go reserve your spot over there and. Uh, you know, go check that out. There's a lot of good stuff, and the fact that it's free, I mean, that's uh, that's a big deal. So, uh, you know, go uh, go check that out over at Back to Basics Living. Uh, actually, I'm gonna have the that's not the, the that's not the the website address. Uh, I'll have that in the link for you. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. For um, oh, one last thing on on that. Um, Red Cross thing because I'm looking at my tabs here. I forgot to talk about this one. Um, the Snopes article talked about you know going and checking out some of like the the BBB and one of the uh, the websites that they recommended was CharityNavigator.org. 
And so if you are, you know, if you want to go check out, hey, the, 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 the organization that you're giving money to, uh, you could go to charitynavigator.org and check it out. There's a, a there, they've got a 10 list, you know, the 10 best whatever, uh, list. And, uh, the 10, the one that I'm looking at right now, 10 of the best charities everyone's heard of. To be honest with you, the, the, the only one that I've heard, two of them, is Doctors Without Borders. And they, they have an overall score of 97.23 out of 100. And then, uh, like the YM, National Council of YMCA's of the USA has an overall score of 97.17. Um, there's an organization called Direct Relief and MAP International that have uh, scores of 100. So I don't really know what they do, but uh, they're up there. So you can go do that. And again, I think that if you are interested in giving, you, you know, if you could maybe focus, find some organization. I, think, I know Samaritan's Purse was really high as well uh, in some of the other categories that I was looking at. Um, you know, really maybe some some organizations that are targeting some of these smaller cities uh, that aren't going to get a, that aren't going to see as much relief as Houston does. So I know that takes money away from Houston, uh, but you know th- those small cities are going to need it. They're they're really devastated. All right, so our first article comes to us from Active Response Training, and uh, I, I love this this website because it, they do a lot of tactical so, or, or a lot of scenarios. And so uh, what they'll do is uh, Greg usually finds a, uh, a some kind of article that's out there how police have responded, how people have responded, some kind of you know uh, defense or whatever you know that's involved. And then he talks you through that scenario and like, hey, what should you have done? What could you have done? And uh, so this one is dealing with a mistaken identity. So let's go ahead and start reading this one. Imagine this scenario. You are at home when you hear gunshots behind your house. You peer out the window, see muzzle flashes, and watch as someone is struck by the gunfire and fall to the ground in the parking lot behind your home. What would you do? I think most of you would call 911. Good move. When this happened to Drew Reeves, he did the same thing. Read about his story at the link below. After calling the police and waiting a short while to make sure the gunshots had stopped, Drew then went outside to see if he could help the victim. He exited his house and was approaching the victim as the police rolled up. Here's where it gets interesting. The victim, suffering from the shock of the gunshot wound, incorrectly assumed that Drew was the person who shot him. He began yelling at the police, identifying Drew as the shooter. The cops took him down at shotgun point. Fortunately, no one was shot other than the original victim, and the police quickly sorted out the mess and released Mr. Reeves. What would have happened if Mr. Reeves hadn't immediately complied or didn't hear the police commands? It could have been tragic. How could you avoid a mistaken identity shooting in a similar situation? Here are a few ideas. Number one, don't go outside. I'm betting Mr. Reeves believed everything was safe when he heard that gunshots when the gunshots stopped. That is a very bad assumption. You don't know what's really going on. The person suffering from the gunshot wound might be a criminal who was just shot by his intended victim. The shooter could still be in the area. Maybe there was just a pause in the gunfight as one of the parties reloads. Too many bad things can happen. If you don't know the victim, stay in your house. Number two, stay on the phone with police. Try to stay on the line and give updates to the dispatcher. That will help the officer and provide an instant connection to someone who can call the cops off if they point their guns at the wrong people. Number three, 
If you do have to leave your house for some reason, tell the dispatcher what you are doing and give him or her a good description of yourself, including what color and type clothes you are wearing, saying something like, I'm a 40-year-old white male with brown hair wearing a red coat. I'm going outside to help. May help keep you from being mistaken for the shooter. And number four, make sure you don't have a gun in your hand when you go outside. Most of my readers are shooters and good citizens. They would likely want to help the victim as much as possible and would probably arm themselves before doing so. This isn't necessarily wrong. Just realize that the responding cops don't know who you are. When they roll up to the scene of a shooting and you are standing over the injured person with a gun in your hand, what do you think they will assume? If you are armed, keep the gun in your holster and keep your hands in plain sight. Be ready to follow the commands of the responding officer. Think about this one. If there's anything else you can do to keep yourself safe. And so, uh, you know, good good uh, scenario there. So a lot of the times we don't think about something like that. We think about just running in there and trying to help someone and not thinking about what it looks like, you know, to everyone else. And so you have to, um, you know, you have to think about those kinds of things because you have a responsibility not only to yourself for your life, but you have a responsibility to the people that, you know, that you you care for. You know, if you're a, a husband and a father, uh, you know, you have a wife and kids and, you know, you, you got to think about all those kinds of things. And, and the thing is, is that all these things are running through your head so fast, right? And uh, so you got to be, be you know, really smart and make good decisions. And that's why these training scenarios are, uh, are good so that you can kind of think, you know, hey, what would I do here? So when, you're, when you get to a situation, if you ever get into a situation like this or any other scenario, um, your mind has already processed this to a point. So you've already kind of run through it. And your mind and in your thinking, you start to go back and, and um, you start to process, do I have any kind of, in education we call it schema, um, is there any kind of past experience that I, that I have that I can relate this to, right? And so if you're in that kind of scenario or you're in a situation, um, you know, you can, you know, if you've if you've played this through in your mind and thought about it a little bit, uh, you can uh, you know may possibly bring those things up and it can help you. All right, so that's over at active response training. You might want to go check that out and definitely go. Um, you might want to go le uh, read the uh, the actual uh, story of how this happened and the the story below about with Drew Reeves there. All right, so our uh, next article comes to us from survivalblog.com. Uh, we read this first part uh, last week, and so I did tell you that we were going to uh, to come to it. Remember, it was the story of uh, this, this author who uh, just kind of got fed up with all the the doom uh, the doom porn out there that was that was there, and, and all the things in the world coming to an end. You know, every every weekend or every month, <laughs> and uh, so he went out and spent like 82, 83 days out in uh you know at at his retreat and just kind of get alone and try to get refocused and so this is uh this is the second part of that article and uh what you know how what helped this this author this person not to be so you know doom focused and like the world's ending all, all the time and uh, i can tell you i can tell you that there's a lot of people who are in that same scenario there's a lot of people who uh deal with that on on a regular basis and sometimes it gets uh, it can wear you out 
because you read all the junk that's out there and you start to um, you start to close yourself off from the rest of the world. So let's go ahead and read this one. How I stopped worrying and used PMCT Part Two. Yesterday I shared my background and how I retreated to my retreat cabin for 83 days. I reemerged a changed person, maturing from doom prepper to someone with a greater appreciation for life and nature. I made some changes to accommodate my family and life situation. Still, I found contentment in living what would I what would I have considered a certain death trap years earlier. How did I do it? My answer, PMCT. PMCT stands for prayer, mindset, confidence, and training. Prayer. Without faith in something, you are truly lost. Whether it is God, peace, humanity, or puppy dogs, you must find something positive and uplifting to motivate you. I allowed myself to be consumed in a sea of negativity and impending doom. Only by surrounding myself in the miracle of God's glory in the woods was I able to swim out of the riptide that tried to drown me. I get it. The world is a miserable place full of liars, cheats, and psychopaths. It always has been. Rise above it and make your world a better place for you and your family. After all, that's why we prep. Mindset. One of the first things I did to rebuild on a solid foundation of prepping was to research actual collapse events. Not the fantasy, fiction, and hypothetical, but actual accounts of survival. There are countless stories of real people who have survived the terror of societal breakdowns due to economic collapse, war, famine, and genocide. They prove some things we already know, like the importance of toilet paper, stored food, weapons, and barter, but these stories also disprove some of the most common misconceptions that run rampant in internet forums and some post-apocalyptic fiction novels. The story of Furfall during the collapse of Argentina in the 90s Sarajevo under siege from snipers, and Venezuela today are just a few of the real-life survival stories we can learn from to improve our strategy and mindset. And so, uh, you know, I've talked about for a fall before and Selco as well from uh, from uh, Sarajevo and dealing with that. Now, uh, you know, Selco's situation was pretty bad. I mean, it was a real you know shtf scenario that got you know when you read some of his stories they were they were pretty bad uh there but you know i totally totally get that you know uh Furfall talks about that a lot you know you're looking at the situations you know one of the things i remember when reading his book was uh you know if if you think the economy is bad you know it's really really bad and people are starting to starve when you don't see you know dogs and you don't see cats roaming around neighborhoods anymore. Uh, it's starting to tell you that people are eating them. In Venezuela, there's uh, you know some of the the zoo animals have been eaten uh, because people have gotten in there and they have they have eaten some of the zoo animals because they're desperate to eat something. And so uh, you know that's it's good. You know, change that mindset. Don't you know? Be careful. I love prepper fiction. I love you know. You hear me talking about a lot of those books uh, all the time. Uh, but you you do have to make sure that you come back and snap into reality because it is easy to get you know caught up in that world, especially if you've been reading for a couple of days. You know, and you're into a story, and uh, it's easy to get caught up into that world. But uh, you know it's good to come back to to real life, and you need to have a way to come back to that, to real life too. The next thing is confidence. Years ago, a dear friend of mine worked to, for the Metropolitan Police in Washington D.C. Southeast Division. 
At the time, Southeast D.C. was one of the most dangerous places on the planet with rampant crime including murder, assault, robbery, and gang warfare over drug territory. I was asked by my friend to do a ride-along over the course of three days, and I jumped at the opportunity. This was the ride-along where you were required to sign a waiver and wear a bulletproof vest. I didn't realize it then, but it gave me great insight to what our streets would look like in a raw situation. The patrol car I was riding in was under constant threat from random gunfire and thrown bottles. We might as well have had a target painted on the, in, on the side. I learned conflict resolution when dealing with extremely hostile people. Surveillance techniques and how the underbelly of society thinks and moves was critical to learn. I recommended... I recommend everyone go to your local police or sheriff office and inquire about participating in a ride-along in one of the shadier parts of town. In a world where most people have never engaged in so much as a heated argument, this will boost your confidence if faced with potentially explosive situations. Training. Whatever you are doing now for training your mind, body, and spirit to deal with the raw world, you need to do more. Try going one week living on nothing but survival rations. Fast for several days. Weight train to failure. Go camping. Split wood by hand. One of the most crucial things I do, in addition to a strenuous workout regimen, is concealed carry. For years, I put off getting my CCW permit for fear of being tagged in some government website for persecution when the SHTF. Well, guess what? Chances are that you and I have already been put on some sort of list just by our Google searches or Amazon purchases. So why walk around waiting to be a victim today? If you can't discreetly carry a weapon in Kroger while surrounded by liberal soccer moms, you, your, your face and body language will give you away when the time comes when you must carry everywhere to defend your life. Exercise your freedoms, practice your concealed carry techniques and methods so that it's second nature when it becomes a matter of life or death. The Bug Out Bag Like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon game, it always comes back to one common item we all need more training with, the Bug Out Bag. My personal journey down the bug out bag rabbit hole began with a ubiquitous Kelty Red Wing 50 liter bag for summer use and progressed to the larger Kelty Red Wing 80 as a winter bag. The Kelty Coyote 80 is a large, large bag and I was guilty of putting way too much stuff inside of its cavernous central compartment and numerous zipped pockets. It, helped stu it held stuff that I would probably never use and weight that I didn't need to carry. In April of 2016, I actually put this self-created monstrosity on my back and performed a test carry for nine miles on one of the tougher sections of the Appalachian Trail in Central Virginia. After what can only be described as a near-death experience, I came to the conclusion that minimalism is good and if we ever have a SHTF event that requires people to actually use their bug-out bags, scavenging discarded items left behind by the overzealous and out of shape will be commonplace. After that hike, the weight of my pack moved to the forefront of my concerns. I have now condensed my vehicle bob contents down to the bare essentials and have switched to the new Osprey Stratus 24 hiking backpack. I train with it every day and it draws no strange looks as at the local park or on the street. It has been carried for hundreds of miles and thanks to ultralight camping gear, my base weight with 10 days of food comes in at just under 20 pounds. I never intended this to be a 10 things to survive the apocalypse article, but it has proved to be somewhat therapeutic for me and I hope it will help someone no matter where they are on their path of preparedness. It is so easy in these times to be convinced that there is no hope for humanity. 
I continue to prep, follow current events, and train for what is at best an uncertain future. We cannot be certain of what tomorrow holds for any of us. What I am certain of is that God has placed me where he wants me at this moment, and he will put me where I need to be in the future. Thank you all, and God bless. If there must be trouble, let it be in my day that my child may have peace. That's a quote from Thomas Paine. Um, good article here. I hope it does help someone who's dealing with uh, you know this this idea of doom porn, especially if you're new uh, to preparedness, which I know uh, you know there's a lot of you that are that are listening to the podcast that are new, fairly new. Um, you got to be careful. You can't get so trapped in there that you know you just want to hunker down in your home and every last thing is 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 going to uh, is going to freak you out. I mean, I won't I won't lie to you. There are times like even when I received that alert this morning, uh, you know, on the on the suspicious observer app that I saw, it said alert, CME in progress. I'm like, crap, you know, come on, really? And so I'm doing a little bit of research and I'm digging in there uh, because you know I I don't want an Earth directed CME to be you know hitting us where we are on top of everything else that's going on but at the same time where this guy talks about you need some kind of faith i mean that's the thing that keeps me straight i mean that's that's the whole and actually that was if if you've ever heard my story that's the whole reason i got into preparedness in the first place but anyway um, i wanted to just address the real quick the bug out bag i it, it really the guys the bug out bag yes you should have a bug out bag you know, work on a bug out. That is not that is not your entry point into preparedness. That should not be the thing that is the most important thing for you right now. Uh, you know, uh, you you got to think about. You know, there was a uh, anyway. You, you got to think about. I mean, how many times are people grabbing their bug out bags and running off from wherever they might be? Um, you know, here we are. We you know, uh, in, in this big of flood situation event here in Houston. And there were people that evacuated, and yes, it would have been good if they had a bug out bag uh, to to leave. It would have been good, you know, uh, to have their important documents and and maybe the you know those kinds of things. You know, a couple of changes of clothes because I know of people that evacuated and they, they don't have anything and they can't get into their houses for weeks. So it that would be good, but that you know it's not something that happens all the time. And in preparedness, that is, I know that if I put a bug out bag article on Prepper website, that it's going to get a lot of hits because people are always interested in that. When you look at certain you know Facebook groups, you know bug out bags are always coming out. People always want, and it's cool. And you know you got this gear, and you get to arrange it, and it's kind of like I don't know, like a, like a man purse. Like I don't know, man, I don't know how to, you know, but that's you know that's what that's uh, it, there's just so much focus on that i i rather first start planning you know like hey where where am i at why why would i be interested in preparedness what kinds of things you know can affect me so someone who is living in the middle of the country is not worrying about a hurricane right so hurricane is not on your radar but someone who is here on the gulf coast yeah okay so we've got we've got hurricane and we can flood and blah 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 and all those kinds of things somebody up north you're dealing with you know when when it's winter and you're dealing with snowstorms and blizzards and they can come on and can trap you wherever you are and and those kinds of things we don't have to deal with that at all you know here down here in the gulf coast sometimes on you know those crazy times where we get a little bit of ice and people don't know how to drive on ice and they wreck their cars and stuff like that but i mean that's that's the most that we ever get and that's very very rare i, I haven't seen that since i was a kid so 
you know, you really need to plan like, hey, where am I at? What kinds of things are should I be planning for? And then start going like, hey, you know, do I have enough food? Do I have enough water? And start building that into your preparedness. You start a bug out bag, yeah. Start putting, you know, I would rather you, instead of looking at all the gear that everybody else is, sit down and say, what would I need if I was gone from my house for two or three days, or if I was having to go to a hotel room, if I was having to go stay with some family members, if I was having to go maybe uh, live out of my car for two or three days, what kinds of things would I need? And can you gather those items from your house, from around your house? Do you have spare toothbrushes and toothpastes? And, and you know, do you have copies of your most important documents? And, you know, do you have spare this and that? And do you have, you know, lighter? And do you have, you know, those kinds of things. You have some peanut butter you can throw in there. You know, those kinds of things. Start uh, start thinking that way. But uh, I just see so much on the bug out bag stuff and that really shouldn't be your first priority when you get into preparedness. Um, it's important. I'm not poo-pooing that at all and I'm saying you, sh you shouldn't have it, but you should, uh, you know, there's some other things that you should be really thinking about first. Um, if you are capable of doing it, you know, doing a little bit all at the same time, do it, you know, start out with a week, a week of water, a week of food, start putting together a bug out bag, right? Uh, you know, go from there and, and start building on top of that. But I see so many people like, hey, I'm new to prepare this. I'm starting a bug out bag. What, do, what kind of gear do I need? And uh, that just, that's not the way to go. All right, enough on that. Our last article comes to us from TruePepper.com, and uh, this is an interesting article. Um, he actually gives some specific types of scams I thought was interesting, so I wanted to share these with you. Uh, the, the article is called Con Artist and Scams When SHTF. It's not a very long article. But, uh, you know, I think it's kind of interesting. And so uh, you know that this is happening. This is going to be happening here in Houston. There are, there are, anyway, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's just go ahead and start reading it. The Wild West was a playground for con artists and scammers. SHTF scenarios displaced many scared, vulnerable people, allowing for a resurgence in scams. Con artists will be like wolves in the middle of a herd of sheep, easily swindling bewildered people out of money and other resources. While online scams may still exist, the majority of the tricks will take place face-to-face -face as they did in the 1800s. Confidence tricks, or cons, are varied, but they all involve interactions. When you are dealing with people and trading goods during a disaster or SHTF, keep your head on your shoulders and be naturally suspicious. A list of cons and scams probable for Teotihuacan. Some scams will be more prevalent than others given the dire situation most people will be in. We picked out a few of the more common tricks con artists would use to separate people from their resources. Salting. Planting gold or other high-value assets, leading the buyer to assume there is more. A fortune fraud. Is promising mystic cures or blessings to cure bad luck or heal diseases. Pig in a poke. Selling something that is covered up, claiming it is one thing when it is actually something not valuable. The clip joint. Getting people to pay for services but never actually delivering since it cannot be enforced. Insurance fraud. This is when someone tries to purposely damage property to have the insurance reimbursed. Fiddle game. One con artist leaves an invaluable item with the mark and another convinces of its high value. The mark then buys the item from the real con artist for more than it's worth. The real 
I'm sorry, rip deal. The con artist offers to buy something at a markup in exchange for favors or other items. They follow through, establishing trust. Then they do it again with higher stakes and steal the goods with sleight of hand or force. Unsolicited goods. A con artist gives you goods or services you didn't ask for and then demands payment afterwards. Examples in history of scammers. History is littered with examples of people taking advantage of others during and after disasters. Many of these scams occur during wartime, which can make people impulsive and lead, lean towards groupthink. Tumultuous times make it hard for rules and laws to be enforced, and criminals can take advantage of the chaos. Here are a few examples. Storm chasers. These guys follow destructive storms around with the pretense that they are helping those impacted by the storms. They take advanced deposits without doing the work. They can also price gouge by charging way too much even if they do complete the work. Even reputable companies have been known to price gouge after a storm to take advantage of des desperation and lack of competition. The Gold Rush Salters The Gold Rush caused a massive migration of people looking for prosperity in America. A few clever scammers convinced prospective buyers that mines contained a wealth of gold. They took worthless mines that had been tapped out and blasted shotguns loaded with gold dust into the sides of the mines. These led buyers to believe that they were buying a gold mine for a steal. The South Sea Company This company somehow managed to get the majority of England to invest in the early 1700s, including the royal family, despite the fact that the company sold no goods or services. It was an artificial financial bubble fueled by national reinvestment during the War of the Spanish Succession. Turned out that it was a giant Ponzi scheme and, as all Ponzi schemes do, it collapsed and nearly obliterated England's economy. Be wary of investments like a lemming. Trojan Horse Although the term is used for many things today, such as online viruses, the original Trojan Horse story is worth knowing for disaster events. Though the Trojan, Trojan Horse was less of a scam and more of a war tactic, the Greeks caught Troy by surprise and the execution went down in history. Be wary of gifts and don't let pride and success let you have your guard down. Becoming a scammer when the SHTF. A few individuals and groups may relish the collapse of law and order. If you are planning on joining these ranks during a disaster, emergency, or when SHTF, I urge you to reconsider. The same absence of laws that allow scammers and con artists to run rampant also will affect the punishment afforded to those that are caught. Those that got caught stacking decks in Wild West weren't put on probation. They were shot. Besides, the moral implications of stepping on others to increase your situation in life know that the consequences of immoral behavior will be much more grave without the protection of the law. And going back, I know that I've mentioned Selko here. That was one thing that he mentioned is that after everything got settled, those people that, uh, you know, that, that operated in, in that way, uh, after you know, rule of law was established, they were they were dealt with, and uh, they were dealt with severely. Uh, final word: Con artists and scammers are just a few types of criminals that will flourish when there are disasters and civil unrest. An increase in theft and harder crimes is also very likely. Compassion and caring for others is a great way to approach emergencies and disasters, but that should not keep you from being careful. Be smart about trust in who you deal with during trying times. Keep exploring, stay prepared, and be safe. 
So uh, just with Hurricane Harvey and all the stuff that's going on, you know that that's going to happen. Uh, you know, that's going to be a, a pretty serious situation. There's going to be a lot of con artists. There's going to be a lot of uh, scammers that are going around. And uh, because people, um, you know, I wrote that in, in my article, you know, they believe that 20% of the people that flooded have insurance. So 80% of, and they're saying upwards to like 190,000 homes, maybe more, got water in them. And so, you know, 80% of those homes, people are going to be ha are, are having to deal with it, you know, with money out of, you know, that, that they have in the bank or uh, that they don't have. And a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, people are, you know, some people have missed a whole week of work. And uh, so, you know, they're, they're going to be thinking about, you know, can I fix up my home or do I put food on the table? Do I pay my bills? You know, um, they might even be in the situation where do I put, do I buy food or do I pay electricity right now? And so that's one thing that, that I believe is going to be happening. That's going to be that long term. Right now we, we're in the short term and there's a lot of love and support and caring out there. But I do think that we're going to get into that situation where uh, people are going to be struggling financially and there's going to be a lot of other implications on that. So um, definitely believe to, um, to, or I know that I will hear uh, a lot of stories of people being scammed and people being taken advantage of because they're going to be in vulnerable situations here after, uh, after this hurricane and after things start to uh, settle down a little bit. So uh, good articles there. Go check those out. And uh, as always, you know, there's always links and stuff that you can go uh, check out on uh, on all these articles. So we appreciate uh, the always you know, webmasters allowing us to read their articles online. And so I do appreciate it when you get to go over there and uh, you know check out their articles. And we link to them from the Prepper website podcast. But we also you know link to them on the show notes. So if in your podcast catcher. Uh, you know, you should be able to see those links and you can kind of go to them if you, uh, you know, if your podcast catcher has that ability. So, hey, uh, if you get a chance, come hit me up on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram uh, or come to the website and leave a comment in one of the episodes. I love to hear from uh, listeners out there and love to know what you know, where you're coming from. Love to know uh, how you're listening to us. Uh, what you think of whatever article, if you have a question, sometimes, uh, you know, I'll throw it back out there or even post it in, in, uh, in the Facebook group if we need to, you know, like, hey, you know, what do you think about this or has anybody heard about this or whatever? And uh, so, uh, you know, love to, love to hear any feedback that you have uh, and to be connected with you guys. So, uh, again, appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen to the podcast. With that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.